This is Derek Green from Sepultura. You're listening to The Underground. This is Christian from El Nino. This is Dino Cazares from The Fear Factory. Hey, this is Jerry Only. This is Jesse Leach from Kill Kitchen Gage. Hey, this is Richard Patrick from Filter. This is Sonny from a bad POD. This is Sully Erna from Godsmack. Welcome to The Underground, Australia's home of rap, metal, and alternative music. Send Dog of the infamous Cypress Hill joins me, Ned, on the underground. Send Dog, how are you, man? Man, I'm doing good. I, I feel great. I, you know, I feel blessed. You know, um, the weather started to get warmer here in, in Nevada, so that's, that's got me happy. Oh, that's good to hear, man. Well, we are all sorts of excited because Cypress Hill are about to be back with Back in Black. We'll talk about that very shortly. But first up, I wanted to talk about your unbelievable career so far. And thinking about it, man, I grew up on you guys. If you rewind back to the late 80s, early 90s, did you have any idea in your wildest dreams that this is where you'd be in 2022? No, no, not at all, man. Uh, You know, back in those days... uh, we had this idea that, you know, we would do maybe an album or two and, and be around for five or six years or yeah. And we thought we thought, you know, women would not like Cypress Hill. <laughs> um, you know, we were wrong about all that stuff, you know. If if I would have known that all this greatness was coming down the line for us, I probably would have tried harder. <laughs> I probably would have <laughs> you know <laughs> I probably would have had more more trust in DJ Muggs' vision and, and whatnot. And, you know what I mean? But, you know, we hung in there. You know, I hung in there and, and a lot of a lot of great things, you know, have come our way as a result from us deciding to, you know, chase a, a musical career, which, you know, in 1990, 1989, getting a record deal was almost impossible for us. Yeah. You know, it was very hard and everybody wanted to hear what people were doing then. That's what they wanted to hear in your demos that day and we didn't have demos for then we had demos for the future and a lot of labels didn't understand it and they were uh they were like well why does he why does why does your guy rap like that what's with that squeaky voice and and how come they one guy told me why do you sound like you're a dog barking <laughs> like i'm like you don't you don't get it man you know but we knew that we had something special and and we had to, you know, stick to our guns, so to speak, and and wait for the right label to come around that was going to understand it. And eventually, you know, Rough House Records came down the line, and and they understood it. They were like, "You guys say whatever you want, we don't care. Just have fun." And and that was the beginning of Cypress Hill and everything that, you know, we would do in the future. It all started with, you know, Joe Nicolo and Chris Schwartz having 100% belief in us and I, you know, I I can't thank them enough for that because there was labels that didn't want us to rap about violence they didn't want us to rap about weed there was <laughs> one label that didn't even want us to say bad words so like just wow. us saying you know shit damn or fuck they were like can you guys take that out of there and I was like no <laughs> <laughs> you know? so um, yeah it, w- it was kind of difficult 
Yeah, exactly, man. And like, I was just thinking about it. I was prepping for this. I was so excited. I remember hearing Cypress Hill for the first time back in the 90s. And you sort of taught me a lot about life and that original album that I, I first heard. I wonder how many parents and whatnot that you've ticked off over the years or, or upset because... I've, I myself have a son now and I hear him listening to his rap and, and whatever. I wonder how many parents over the, the years that you've sort of left feeling upset because you taught me a lot about life then. Right. You know, it, it's it, that's an interesting thing that you just said because I remember we would go to do, you know, radio interviews and, you know, you have certain people that would call in and speak to the band and they're fans of the band, you know what I mean? And then, you know, you get a you get a, a, a pissed off parent every now and then on the phone lines talking about you guys are going to go to hell and this <laughs> and that. And you guys are spreading drugs and this and that. And you guys are wrong. And, you know, there's nothing you could do to change that parent's mind. So I would just hung the, hang the phone up on their face like, OK, you're, you're entitled to what you think. Bye. <laughs> you know, but, you know, it, it was definitely a, a hard road to cross kind of because you know, um, I was raised in church. You know, I, I grew up as a, as a as a church kid. And, you know, my mom kind of like had us in check for a long time until the time that we decided to revolt. And, you know, and, and she was good with that. She was like, okay, you guys don't want to go to church anymore. Don't go there. You know, fine, whatever. So when she first heard a Cypress Hill album and, you know, there's songs on there like I want to get high and this and that. <laughs> She, you know, she was like, oh, my God, what, where did I go wrong? Where did I go wrong? And I had to tell her, Mom, you know, you didn't go wrong. You didn't go wrong. You, you, you actually raised us right. You know, you taught us to think for ourselves and make our own opinions on stuff. And this is what we think. You know what I mean? This, you helped us with this mentality. And it took her a while, but then eventually she was very proud of us. And she saw all the ground we were breaking and in the places we were going to and everything and, and she became very proud and and you know you couldn't tell her anything negative about Cypress Hill after that she was like nope you're wrong I don't want to hear it oh, I love that right there Sen man that is all sorts of awesome well man recording wise what sort of uh, it's interesting that you touched on that these days it seems like a lot easier for anyone to sort of jump in a studio and record you rewind back to back then and like you said like it was very difficult to get what's sort of the biggest change for you would you say you've just wrapped up a new album what's the biggest sort of changes from you know the early 90s to now in recording an album well i, I think that i'm actually good now <laughs> as opposed to the <laughs> as opposed to the you know the our first couple of records were I was just very insecure and didn't have a lot of confidence, um, you know. And now, when I listen to myself now, I'm like, that's not even the same dude. It's it's just a whole different person, you know. Now we're dealing with a person that believes in himself and believes in his bandmates, you know. And back then, I didn't have any of that. I I didn't I didn't know, you know, how I wanted to be heard, what I wanted to write, you know. And this is from a person that grew up rapping. You know, yeah. I, since I was 17 years old, I'd been rapping. And when it came down to make a record, I had no idea what to rap about. So my confidence level was just shit. And from then to now, I think the biggest change in me is, you know, my confidence and, and the, my, my ability to, you know, believe in 
my bandmates' vision and dreams and what they think that we could do next. You know, and back in the in the '90s, I was a pain in the ass, and you know, DJ Muggs will tell you if you talk to him, like you know, I wasn't I wasn't happy with anything, and I don't even know why. To tell you the honest truth, I guess I was just wasn't happy with myself. But the the more that I stuck with music and the more that I did it over and over again, um, the better I became. And I, I, that's the biggest difference, you know, from then to now, and me personally. Yeah, that's fantastic right there, Sen. And it's nothing wrong with being a perfectionist, man. It just sounds like you wanted to sort of master your craft, which I love right there. Tell us about Back in Black, though. It's a, Was this recorded during the pandemic or, like, fast-forwarding on to now? What was the recording process like with this one? Well, with, with the Back in Black record, it was very easy, man. It was so chill. You know, um, we did it all at Be Real Studios and, you know... Cypress Hill has always, we've always had marijuana around us and this and that, but now with, you know, Dr. Green Thumb, uh, <laughs> there's, <laughs> there is never, there is never a day where we don't have weed in the studio or, or actually really good weed, you know, so it was fun, you know, go to the studio and, and drink some beer up and, you know, smoke some weed and, you know, put some beats on and, and then just get to writing and, and, and see what you know what what uh, what makes you what makes you know the, the the project go you know move further along. So I, I, it was very organic and you know very very pressure free. And I think that um, we should have done more of our albums under under those pretenses instead of you know because back in the days we didn't know no better. If the label told us we wanted the record in one month, there we were scrambling like crazy to finish this record inside of a month yeah. you know we didn't know that we could tell them to fuck off you'll get the record <laughs> when it's ready <laughs> you know but now we do know that shit so we take our time with it and there's no there's no after 30 years you know there's no hurry to to finish a record or you know the, the fan base is there it's gonna be there it's always gonna be there so um, just take your time and do it right uh, that was the best part about this, making this album with the brothers is that you know when it was like when you get here we're gonna do you know four or five songs when are you gonna come in and I'll I would be like okay I'll be there next week okay great next week we'll be here and we'll work on this song fam and it yeah. wasn't of a what do you it wasn't like what do you mean next week man what are you here today <laughs> no, it wasn't none of that so I kind of I, I very much like the way that we handled the record and and, and the way that the the process was you know I, I really like that yeah, it does sound like a bunch of fun, and it's definitely got that sort of old-school feel to it. Would you say that's sort of safe to say, Sam? I've had a little bit of a preview to it, and, of course, the, the track out with Dizzy right now. It's definitely got that old-school sort of Cypress Hill flavor to it. Yeah, you know, that, and that was one thing that I, I, I thought that was very important, that it's a traditional hip-hop record, you know? Yeah. And and it's, it's kind of like touching your roots without really touching your roots, you know, 30 years after the fact. I, I like that. I like that a lot because, you know, we've done, you know, we've done rap metal, you know, we've done rap rock, we've done rap reggae, we've done rap in Espanol, you know, we've done everything but rap in Japanese, it seems like, so. Um, <laughs> still was, time. There's still time to learn the language, yeah, but um, that's what I liked about the, the, the black and black thing, you know, um, we, we worked with uh, Black Milk on it, that's, you know, the reason, you know, part of the reason it's called black and black. Uh, but um, 
you know, it, it was it was just uh, a, the touching, being able to touch to your roots, and and knowing that we're way more you know better than what we were way back then, and we could still touch our roots and put today's touches on it. Very special album. Oh yeah, I can't wait for everyone to hear it. It is all sorts of awesome. It comes out on March the 18th. Now, Sen, I see that you guys are about to hit the road again and on tour with Slipknot. You were sort of touching on it there with the, you know, you've done the rock and the and the metal sort of elements to your style. It's a it's a sort of a unique blend there, Cypress Hill and Slipknot. How excited are you guys to get out there and on the road again? Well, we yeah, we are very excited. You know, it's it's not our it's not our actual first tour that we've done since the the, the pandemic started and all that. We we went out last year with uh, with Z Trip and Atmosphere, and uh, we did a very successful tour where there was not one person that got sick on the tour or anything. Oh and, wow, there you go. Yeah, and I you know I, I thought people would have more to say about that, but. They just want to hear about you getting fucked up and sick and shit like that. Mm. They don't want to hear that. Hey, these guys just pulled off a tour with with zero, you know, <laughs> things happening. You know, well, you know what what fun is that to talk about, right? But with with the, with Slipknot, you know, we we I I go back with them to their to when they first got to California, and I was in a band called the uh, SX10, and somehow we met um, Sid or or some of those guys and. They would come to our rehearsals and hang out and just listen to us play and whatnot. And mind you, I had no idea that this was going to be one of the dominant bands in the future. Yeah. I just thought they were a bunch of cool guys. And I was talking to their to their actual their manager who wanted to manage me. And he had got sick with polio or something and he passed away. And, and I was like, oh man, I was really looking forward to working with this guy. But that's how far back, um, you know, go back with them with them guys it's like 20 years or something like that that I've known them and I you know every year I get together with uh, with Corey Taylor and you know and we go down there and we do this concert called Dime Bash in honor of Dimebag Daryl that uh, Jose Mangan from Liquid Metal he's the organizer of it all and um, they invited me down there to sing a Pantera song one day and I was like yeah man I'll go Oh, that's cool. I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if they knew that I could sing this shit, but I could. And, um, <laughs> and, um, and so, you know, Corey's always down there for that. And, you know, Jason Christopher, you know, he's, he's there and all that stuff. And so um, we've, we've been able to become friends through the years. And I, I have nothing but respect for, you know, not, not just Corey, but, you know, Slipknot in general. Um, they're a bunch of badasses at what they do. So. When they approached us to tour with them, I told my manager, I, I said, you know, I don't care what you got to cancel to make this tour happen for us, but we need to go on this tour. And it's, it's, it's really cool because I don't know of any other hip hop bands that, that, could, that could do what we do. We've gone out, you know, several times. We've opened up for Metallica. We've been on tour with, you know, Nirvana and Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and, and all those great bands and everything. And each time it seems like you know, a challenge, but it's a challenge that we meet and we and we, we meet face on and head on and and people love it. So I don't know that any other hip hop bands that, you know, could say that they have that in their in in their resume, you know, to go out there and, and, and play right before Metallica or Megadeth or something like that. But you know, Cypress Hill for whatever reason it is, we've we've always been accepted on on every on every stage that that we decide to take on. 
and this tour with Slipknot, I think it's going to be very special for sure. Yeah, that's so true right there, because there's not a lot of sort of hip-hop bands that can sort of fit into that mold of things. But I remember the last time I saw you guys live, Sandog, was... I'm 90% sure at Soundwave where Slipknot were on the same tour here in Australia. Must have been five or six years ago now. Yeah, that that's very true. That's very true. We did um I think Slayer was on that and Yeah. And uh Metallica and Slipknot and yep, us yep, yep. guys and I mean the list was just the set list was just uh insane. The, uh, insane. And um and I I mean that and I don't say that lightly because people just oh that's so insane. It, it, it's insane has become the word for everything but when i say it i really mean it like you know like how do you how do you get a bunch of hip-hop kids from the city of southgate to you know be out here with all these great you know metal gods you know we and we've done shows with like you know motorhead and stuff like that and and those guys love us man they you know they love what we do so you know i definitely feel like we belong and we're, we're part of today's you know music scene we have been for 30 years and and it doesn't you, you you don't do that kind of stuff without having a lot of confidence in yourself belief in yourself you know you, if you don't got it you ain't gonna be up there with those guys you have to you have to go up there knowing your shit don't stink and you belong up there with the best Oh, 100%. Very well said right there, Sandog. And you personally, man, absolutely no signs of slowing down for you with your side project, Powerflow, as well. Is it true that you're releasing a new Powerflow album this year, too? Yes, man. Yes, we are. We are. We are. We just finished it up, and now we're just waiting to, you know, mix it and master it and, and get it done. I know the, the record is uh, the second album has been overdue for a little while, but you know, we're yeah. the great company that doesn't really uh, bother to, you know, to get pissed off about that. They know that, you know, we're a hardworking bunch of guys and, you know, Billy Graziati and, and uh, Christian Wolver, you know, they're proven musicians. So yeah. um, they're, they're just gonna sit there and wait. But the, the one part about that record, this new album that I like a lot is that the guys challenged me to, deliver you know heavier vocals you know oh really yeah and i think that i met that challenge you know people are in agreement with it so it's there's always something new to to hurdle over jump over climb over you know just because you're in the game for 30 years doesn't mean anything you know so no. the powerful is still in effect and uh, we, we plan to get that record out later on in the year after the you know cypress hill does a few things and and the time is right for us, you know, we'll, we'll come back out with Powerflow. Oh, that's crazy when we talk about Powerflow there, Sam. But I was wondering, man, we've been talking about your career throughout. What do you think you'd be doing if you weren't rapping and, and took the musical route? Well, um, you know, I worked in warehouses, man. That's what I did, shipping and receiving, you know, pretty much from the time I was 18 years old till Muggs, DJ Muggs talked me into quitting my job to pursue music. And that's what I did, you know, and I, I have no doubt that I probably would have been a, a warehouse foreman or something like that the entirety of my life if I had not done music. So lucky that that happened. Uh, <laughs> I was just wondering what a different life it could have been, especially with the, the longevity of it all for you guys, which is awesome. 
All right, man. Well, right before I let you go, I want to know what's the kind of the coolest thing that you've ever seen Cypress Hill pop up on or yourself? Like for me, I love seeing you on The Simpsons and the Training Day movie when Rock Superstar pumped on. I was like, damn, that is cool. But what about you guys personally? What's something that you're like, hell yeah, that like that was that's us and I saw us on this sort of thing? Well, you know, um, when we were with Sony Music and we did 14 years there with Sony, and when we left, there was like an unrecouped balance that the band still owed the label. So the label went about recouping their, their money by putting Cypress Hill songs in movies. And it seemed like every Sony movie that came out, there was a Cypress Hill song in it. I would get calls from my friends like, hey man, uh, did, you got, did you know you had a song in this movie? And I'm like, I knew I signed off on something, but I don't remember what. So I <laughs> thought that was, that was very cool. But when we put a song called Latin Lingo in the, in the Lethal Weapon uh, series in, in the movies, I think it was on, on the third movie of Lethal Weapon, yeah. we had a song on there. And I was a big fan of the Lethal Weapon movies, you know? And when that came out, I, was, I took my mom to the theater to see it and didn't tell her <laughs> that my song was in it. <laughs> and um, when the song came out, she, just, she was so happy. She's, she started waving her handkerchief. Hallelujah, Lord, hallelujah. And she was <laughs> crying and shit. And, and I thought, you know, I was like, this, that's some special stuff right there, man. I, you know, I'm glad that she's here and I'm here. And you know, we're getting to experience all this stuff together. But just, you know, having, having this vehicle, Cypress Hill, to, to do music with has given us a lot of opportunities and I would I would say that aside from that experience with my mom, uh, The Simpsons, you know, was yeah. was was super groundbreaking for us, and it opened us up to a whole you know younger demographic and all that. And I think that I think that that demographic got a chance to grow up with us from the time they were six and seven years old until their adulthood. They've been down with Cypress, so I think that was a very important move. And yeah, and, you know, the whole storyline, the Homer Palooza and all that shit, it was incredible <laughs> and. You know, and I, every now and then I'll, I, I have a friend that um, that works, you know, works for Fox and the, and, the, and the Simpsons and whatnot. And every now and then, you know, uh, he'll hit me up, be like, dude, you know, this and that happened. I'm going to send you a copy of, you know, so it's a very special thing, you know, oh, for sure. It really is, man. And just even... I think one of the first times I saw you might have been on The Simpsons there. I remember listening to you on the radio back in the day, hits from the bong and then, yeah, popping up on The Simpsons. And this is just all sorts of awesome that you've taken time out to chat with me, Sand. Really, really appreciate it. Before I let you go, though, what's the sort of the first thing that comes to mind when you think of Australia? You've been out here a whole bunch of times. Is there anything that you have to do when you're out here or have you picked up on any crazy accents or silly things we say or anything fun like that? <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, yeah, you know, we, we're always picking up on accents and shit like that. And, you know, we're always clowning and, you know, talking, trying to talk to each other. And like uh, when I first went over there and uh, I was on an airplane and the, the lady took my ticket from me and she says, oh, yes, you're an 18A. And I'm like, 18? What's that? You know, <laughs> she, she meant 18. <laughs> that was my seat. <laughs> So I was like, oh, wow, you know, so I, I would catch up on that. We came back from Australia, we were recording, and the guys thought that I could do my my verse, you know, harder, better, you know, harder. So uh, I remember B-Real says, yeah, mate, do it harder. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so we always pick up on, you know, accents and shit like that. And, you know, we clown around, we clown around with each other, we use them and stuff like that. But 
Uh, Australia has always been good to us, and and uh, I never I never imagined that there was a surfing Santa or anything like that till I got down there. Yeah. And uh, that was you know that was all pretty cool. I, you know, I called my friends like, dude, you know, Santa Claus be surfing down here. That's his thing. <laughs> well, it is, it is it is their summer after all. So, sure, um, sure. You know, and then you know all the respect that we got from the fans and and, and all that stuff. And, and it was all it's all it, it continues to be a very cool thing. So awesome. that's for that reason. I know we haven't been in, in, in some in a few years now, but we always like going there, no matter how long the flight. You know, once we get there, we we unwind and we have a good ass time. Ah, oh, that, that's awesome to hear, Sandman. And hopefully, once all the borders and everything open up again after this whole pandemic thing, we are starting to get dribs and drabs of international tours but hopefully you guys will be back out here with back in black i'm not sure if there's been any talks of it or anything yet no not yet not yet um we're you know we're you know we're we're making our schedule out and and you know as soon as it's cool and 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 and, and we're ready to go and and uh, and it's open you know believe that we'll be there australia has always been good to cypress hill so we definitely want to go back and experience the summer in december <laughs> and we're surfing Santa. I love that right there, Sandog. Thank you so much for taking time out. Cypress Hill's brand new album, Back in Black, is out March 18. Look for a new Powerflow album a little bit later on this year as well. Be sure to hit this man up on Instagram, instagram.com slash Sandog. Thanks so much for taking time out, man. Super appreciate it. My brother, thank you for your time as well, man. I don't know if you're up for the day now or you're going to catch a nap, but, you know, whatever <laughs> it is, <laughs> enjoy it. This has been another presentation from the Grey Wolf Entertainment Network, greywolfentertainment.net.